You are now listening to One Hour Schoolwide, the official sports podcast of Pin Oak Middle School. All right, welcome in. This is One Hour Schoolwide, the official sports podcast of Pin Oak Middle School. And this is your host, Nathan Mertz, Mr. Mertz, as most people call me around the building. Um, we're very excited to uh, bring you this podcast today. This podcast will be a little bit different than the ones in the future. This podcast is mostly made up of individual student segments or students practiced um, creating their own little five-minute segment based on some sporting event that they watched last weekend. In the future, they're going to be in like groups of three or four, and they're going to uh, kind of do like a roundtable, more relaxed, open discussion of whatever their um event or um, topic is um, we have we have students that are going to discuss baseball college football NFL football soccer NBA and anywhere and in between those sports um, please hit the like and follow button next to whichever um, next to our logo wherever that is on whatever platform that you're choosing to listen to us on Spotify Apple podcasts whatever it might be um, yeah, um, so most of the students made it into the podcast this week. There were some that um, didn't quite get to get finished, so they're not going to be in the podcast this week, but that's okay. Um, most of the segments have a little introduction with, uh, with me, and uh, the students will kind of brief you on what you're about to hear. There are a couple at the end where we kind of ran out of time in the week where um, the students, I wasn't able to uh, record a little snippet with the students to introduce their their segments so um those two students are jace and madison williams so uh their podcast did make it in but i was unable to uh we ran out of time to uh to record a little intro with them so we'll get to know them a little bit better next week when we do the uh, group um the group podcast segments um yeah so we're excited to talk about sports i know i'm excited um, this is my first year doing this elective, and this is the first year the students have been able to do this. And uh, I think they're doing a really good job. I'm really proud of them. They're excited. You know, they love to watch sports and talk about sports, as do I. And, um, and uh, yeah, um, I know uh, quarantine, quarantine has been, has been brutal, um, but um, and not getting to play sports this fall has been has been sad for me, especially um, getting to coach. I, I didn't get to coach cross country this fall and get to get to see my runners. Um, and I'm sure that there's uh, athletes and coaches at Pin Oak and throughout the district and all across the country that are that are sad that they're not getting to uh, coach and play their sport this fall. But um, but hang in there. Um, we do have pro and college sports now on TV and. Thank goodness that we're getting that we have those to watch. I know quarantine started to feel a lot better to me once um, once I started watching the MLS's back tournament with the Dynamo, even though the Dynamo didn't uh, make it very far in the MLS's back tournament. Um, a lot of that was due to a, to a, a very questionable uh, foul in the box or a penalty against the Dynamo um, very late in the game against the Galaxy. Um, I think it was in the 93rd or 94th minute, they got a penalty called on them and it ended up being a draw where if the Dynamo would have held on the one, they would have advanced to the knockout round. Um, but 
once the regular MLS season has started back, though, the Dynamo has played, been playing pretty well. Um, so that's been fun watching that. Um, I'm also a Thunder fan. So uh, that was that was uh, it was fun going to game seven against the Rockets. Um, but a little disappointing that we weren't able to get it done. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to college football. And uh, somebody's knocking on my door right now, so I guess I'm going to let you go. Um, but uh, thanks for listening to the podcast, and uh, here we go. Thank you. I'm here with Ethan. Uh, tell me your tell me your last name. How do I say your last name? Uh, it's Pagari. Pagari. Okay. Um, tell me about tell me just a little bit about your segment and what you're going to uh, talk about. Well, my segment was about the Rockets versus Lakers game. And, ugh, I messed up. No, we're not messing up. We're not going to start over. We're going to keep going. So, um, um, so just, like, one of the games in the playoffs or, like, the whole series? Or the last game. So that was, what, game six? Game five? I don't remember. Okay, I think it was game five. Um. What's like your favorite team? Like your favorite sports team? Uh, the Rockets. The Rockets. What other teams do you like? Uh, just for basketball or for like. For any uh, sport. Uh, like the Astros, the Giants. The New York Giants. Yeah. Oh, why? Why do you like the New York Giants? Because my dad's from New Jersey and he likes it. Oh yeah, and they actually like play in New Jersey, right? They don't really play in New York. Cool. All right. Well, I'm excited to listen to your segment. Thank you. Hi, welcome. This is Ethan McGarry, and today in this podcast, I'll be talking about the Houston Rockets versus LA Lakers game. A recap of the game is the teams who played were the Rockets and the Lakers. And the final score was 96 Rockets, 119 Lakers. Also, for the Rockets, James Harden had the most rebounds and the most points with 30. Russell Westbrook had the most assists on the Rockets. For the Lakers, LeBron James had the most points with 29 and the most assists. Anthony Davis for the Lakers had the most rebounds with 11. I think there was no turning point in the game, really. But the best individual player would be probably James Harden because he got the most points in the game and he had the most rebounds on his team, and also he just played the best. I think the worst individual player was J.R. Smith on the Lakers because he got the least points and least assists with zero and zero assists and one rebound. I think the Rockets lost because they had a, they had a lack in spirit, but they played good. And I think the Lakers won because they had a strong mentality and they just practiced harder. In the next game, I think the Rockets can have a better mentality and be more determined to win. Uh, the preview of the next game, there will be no next game, but because they lost the Western Conference semifinals. here with Charles. Uh, is it Graf or Graf? Graf. Graf. All right. And tell us a little bit about your segment. 
Well, I did the tattoo Longhorns versus UTEP Miners game. It was a blowout, obviously. The Longhorns won easily. And um, Ellinger, Sam Ellinger, the Longhorns quarterback, played like a Heisman winner, along with Clemson quarterback Spencer, um, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, and OE quarterback Spencer Rather. Yeah, On the yeah game, probably the top Tech. three quarterbacks in the uh, in the college football right now, especially since yeah. the Big Ten's not playing with Ohio State. And um, oh, then Justin Fields for them. Justin Fields, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, what other teams do you are you interested in besides just the Texas Longhorns? Um, really any college football team. I mean, I'll do any ranked team that I know about. But since both my parents went to Texas, I'm following them a lot. Cool. All right. Um, my wife actually went to OU, and I grew up in Oklahoma, so we're mm-hmm. OU fans. So we'll have some yeah. conversations. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Yep. Hello, this is Charlie Graff. We've got some Week 2 action in college football. 14th-ranked Texas Longhorns against the UTEP Miners. Texas, this was their first game of the season. Going in UTEP, it was their second game of the season after beating Stephen F. Austin in Week 1. Texas was favored by 44 going in, and there was a reason for that. They played amazing. Texas won 59-3. Eight touchdown advantage and the turning point well there was no turning point texas had control the entire game after scoring that touchdown first play from scrimmage utep had no shot sam ellinger played like a heisman and he's the top three heisman player right now along with trevor lawrence and spencer rattler ellinger had 426 pass yards and five touchdowns in the first half texas had three players with 35-plus rush yards, including Keontae Ingram, Roshan Johnson, and Bijan Robinson. Joshua Moore, in his first Texas game, had six receptions, 127 yards, and one touchdown, including that 78-yard touchdown on the first play. Tariq Black, in his first Texas game, he was a transfer from Michigan, had five receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. This game was at 15% capacity at the Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium that can hold 100,000 people. So that was only 15,000 fans there. Texas is now ranked number nine, and they're on bye next week before they head to Lubbock on September 26th to play the Texas Tech Red Raiders. UTEP is, falls to 1-1 one one after beating Stephen F. Austin in week one. Next week, they're going to play Abilene Christian at their stadium, the Sun Bowl in El Paso. For Texas, they should play the same way going forward. They played amazing, as good as you can play. They need to play that well going forward against tech teams like Texas Tech, OU, and Oklahoma State in the tough Big 12 Conference. Texas' toughest game this year will definitely be against Spencer Rattler and the Oklahoma Sooners on October 10th at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. That game will definitely not disappoint. This will be a really fun game to watch at the Cotton Bowl. Spencer Rattler with the Oklahoma Sooners and senior Sam Ellinger against for the Texas Longhorns. To a Heisman matchup. Going back to UTEP, they're in the Conference USA, which has decent teams and are projected to have about three or four wins this season. The UTEP receivers were led by Justin Garrett, leading them with four receptions for 58 yards, and Jacob Cowling with four receptions for 49 yards. Josh Thompson had the only Texas interception, thrown by UTEP quarterback Gavin Hardison, who went 12 for 27, 141 yards, and one interception. For UTEP running the ball, 
well, they did not play well, but Deion Hankins was led the way with 11 carries for 34 yards. In the third quarter and fourth quarter, Utah was taking first downs, but that was when it didn't matter because Texas already won the game easily. Now, looking at Texas for their schedule, they play only Big 12 teams going forward. Their toughest game, undoubtedly Oklahoma, but they still have to go into Stillwater, Oklahoma to play Oklahoma State, which is not easy. Texas is favored in all their games except for Oklahoma, where Oklahoma is favored by 2.5 points. But but that doesn't matter till the actual game is played at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Meanwhile, for UTEP, they play Abilene Christian next week, where they're favored by 5 points. UTEP has to play completely better going forward if they want to win some games. We know UTEP wasn't favored, but we didn't think UTEP was going to play that bad. Texas played amazing, A-plus for them. For UTEP, I give them a D-minus. They didn't play horrible, but they definitely did not play good. Big 12 rankings go with OU at number 3, Texas at 9, and Oklahoma State at 11. Those are the three ranked teams in the conference. Baylor and West Virginia follow a little after number 25. Texas had their two backup quarterbacks, Casey Tomlinson and Hudson Card, play in that game. After Ellinger didn't need to play anymore because he played outstanding. For UTEP, they just need to throw better. They need to run better. They need to do everything better if they want to win any more games. Texas on by next week. They play the 26th at Lubbock. And then they play and then they play TCU on October third at Texas Memorial Stadium in Austin. After that is their big matchup against Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. For the Longhorns Bowl project projection, I predict that they play in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona against the Texas AM Aggies. I predict that UTEP will win two more games this season, beating Abilene Christian next week and beating UTSA on November fourteenth. They will finish the season 3-9 and nine and will miss a bowl game this year. So this year in 2020, we're playing college football through a pandemic, and we're without some conferences, including the Pac-12 and Big Ten. Those two conferences include teams like Ohio State that made the college football playoff this year and Oregon, who won the Rose Bowl this year. Thank you for listening to me, Charlie Graff, on talking about college football today. Stay tuned later when I talk about more teams. And best of all, go Longhorns. Huh? All right, I'm here with Michaela Williams. Um, tell us a little bit about your segment this week. Um, I recapped on the NFL opener with the Houston Texans versus Kansas City Chiefs, which had 20.3 million people watching. Um, the Texans started off great with a 7-0 lead in the first quarter with a 19-yard touchdown by David Johnson. And then after that, the whole game turned around in the second quarter. Okay. They, lacked on off- they lacked on offense and defense, and Watson needed yeah, help yeah, with blocking. Right now However, place. Patrick Mahomes, um, he still no, don't, don't, give me your whole, don't give me your oh, whole okay. recap. I'm just wanting a brief introduction, okay? Okay. Just a brief introduction. So, um, so the Texans... <laughs> Uh, the game kind of swung in the second quarter. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, aren't y'all like Patriots fans or something? There? Yeah. Well, yeah. I just like Cam Newton and all. 
Oh, okay. So you used to be a Panthers fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah. I was I was wondering why the 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 Patriots thing was was a thing. Um, yeah. Can you tell your sister for me to make sure she turns in her segment? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you said to turn in your segment. All right. Well, I'm excited to listen to the rest of your segment this week. So uh, thank you for joining me. Welcome. Welcome to Pin Oak Sports Podcast, and this is your host, Michaela Williams. Today, we are recapping on the NFL opener with the Houston Texans versus Kansas City Chiefs, which had 20.3 million people watching. Kansas City start their season off right with a 34-20 victory over the Texans on Thursday night. Houston kicked it off with a 7-0 lead with a 19-yard touchdown made by David Johnson. After that, the whole game just flipped for the Texans. In the second quarter, Texas Texans fell off on, on lack of defense and offense. Deshaun Watson needed help with blocking, but the Chiefs' defense was incredible. Watson went deeply under pressure, and the only bright side for the Texans was David Johnson, who ran for 77 yards and had a touchdown. However, Patrick Mahomes led the Chiefs effortlessly up and down the field. Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and Tyreek Hill each caught TD passes for Kansas City. The Chiefs did have a slow start, but overcame it when they tied the score later in the game, with Kelsey catching a pass from Mahomes into the end zone. The Chiefs then had a 17-7 lead going into halftime. After halftime, Kansas City put the game away when Patrick threw a strike ball to Hill across the field for a 31-7 lead early in the fourth quarter. Watson ran for a TD later in the quarter and made the score 20-30. Then Kansas City came back and made the punt for three extra points to make the final score 34-20. to Might I say, the Texans aren't looking so good without DeAndre Hopkins. Trading away Hopkins is one of the most confusing moves I've ever seen from Texas management. I feel like the Texans need to up their offense and defense and will overall become a better team. There's a lot to fix. It's only one game. We have to improve pretty quickly, but it's only one game. We have to get back to work pretty soon and fix these things, said the head coach of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. The Texans played their home opener against the Ravens on September 20th, Sunday at 3.45, and the Chiefs visit the Chargers on the same day. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen, on Pin Oak Sports Podcast. Have a nice day and see you later. All right, Ryan, um, welcome in. Tell us about your segment. Um, my segment for this week uh, is recapping uh, last Sunday's game of uh, the Patriots versus the Dolphins. So tell me like, why you're a Patriots fan. Don't you live in Houston? Uh, yeah, I do live in Houston, but my dad grew up in Massachusetts, and he really likes the Patriots. Uh, you could say obsessive. I think he just says passionate, um, but it's kind of translated over. So I I, I, I uh, root for the Patriots too. Okay, I mean, are you like a Red Sox and a Bruins fan too, or? Uh, not not the Bruins. I don't really like hockey, and I I did like the Astros. Did. Uh, I guess I'm fine. I'm I'm fine with the Red Sox. Baseball just isn't my favorite sport though. Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited to hear your segment. Thank you. Okay. Hello, my name is Ryan Fru from the One Hour Schoolwide Pin Oak Sports Podcast, and today I will be covering the the Sunday game, uh, pa- the Patriots versus the Dolphins. So first off, it's Cam Newton's first game as a Patriot, and he ran for two rushing touchdown 
two rushing touchdowns for a total of 75 yards, which, uh, funny enough, is more than multiple of Brady's entire seasons. Um, the score ended up being 21-11 Patriots, and really, the, the reason, the, 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 it started in the second quarter when the Pats really got the ball rolling with uh, Newton's first rushing touchdown, and then he never really stopped. They just kept scoring, and in the second and third quarter, uh, putting more points on the board. Uh, I would say that the best performance of the game was Cam Newton uh, for his two touchdowns, 155 rushing yards, sorry, 155 passing yards, and 65 rushing yards. Um... Uh, Newton rushed a total of 15 times, um, which is a, a ton. And uh, uh, Sony Michel, uh, he also had a, sh- uh, a short running touchdown uh, just to cushion the Patriots' lead. Um, late, early in the second quarter, uh, Julian Edelman snagged a catch, and it ended up being his 600th catch uh, in his career putting him second in Patriots history after Wes Walker. Sorry, Wes Welker with 672 catches. Um, on, on, on the defensive side, Adrian Phillips snagged an interception late in the first half, his first as a Patriot. Uh, however, Nick Folk missed the field goal um, for the Patriots uh so, so they did not score off of that interception. I feel like the Patriots won overall because of momentum. And after a score, after a slow, scoreless first quarter by both teams, uh, the Patriots just kept scoring, and they never stopped scoring, and they kept shutting them down. Uh, there wasn't like it wasn't all positive though. Uh, the worst performance in my eyes was uh, Nikhil Harry. Who he uh, had a fumble that gave the Dolphins uh, possession to that led to their only touchdown for the whole game. Um, next week the Patriots will play against uh, the Seattle Seahawks, um, where Russell Wilson may act may prove a big challenge for the Patriots' defense, uh, and it, it's going to be a close game. Though the Seahawks are favored. Um. All in all, a very good game by the Patriots. There is room for improvement, but oh, but uh, all in all, a solid first outing by this by uh, from the post Brady era. Uh, this is Ryan Frew, and that was the segment on the Patriots. All right, we're here with Weston Benner. Um, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. How about you? Good. Uh, tell us about your segment. Well, it's going to be a segment on mainly college football, probably ACC teams. I don't think that they get enough love, and I think that there are some really good teams this year. What, what teams are good besides Clemson? Come on. Okay, well, you know, you got Wake Forest. They've got a solid defense. Um Florida. I guess Notre Dame, since they're actually in the ACC this year. Yeah, I think they could be a contender. Florida. I mean, if they get their offense back on track, they could. They could really be playing well. Okay. Um, well, hey, I'm excited to listen to your segment, and uh, thank you for joining me. No problem. Um, I just go back to the other meeting.
Hello, this is Weston Benner, here to fill you in on Clemson and Wake Forest's first game. The Clemson Tigers battled the Wake Forest Demon Beacons. The final score was 37-13, with the Clemson Tigers taking home their first win of the season. The game was at Wake Forest, and there was limited in-person attendance. The turning point of the game was when Clemson scored for the second time in the first quarter. By then, the game was already over. The Beacons couldn't muster defense to shut down Etienne and Lawrence. The best individual performance of the game would have to be Trevor Lawrence, though. But ETN is a close second. Trevor Lawrence looked a little bit like a jammed Lawrence when he got sacked big for 16 yards on Clemson's first drive, but the team recovered to score on the next three possessions. He completed 22 of 28 passes for 351 yards, ran in two touchdowns, and threw for one more. The worst individual performance of the game was probably by Cade Stewart for the Clemson Tigers. Though he is a great O-line player, he was consistently backed up by the Wake Forest defense, putting pressure on Trevor Lawrence to release the ball early. Hopefully they can get the O-line back on track before they face a harder opponent. Clemson won due to the sheer amount of offensive tools it possesses. They have a great running back, a quarterback that's not afraid to take the ball and rush it, yet can still bomb it deep, and some fantastic receivers that consistently beat out the coverage. Their defense is also worth noting, sacking the Wake Forest starting QB four times before he was taken out. If Clemson keeps up this pressure, they will continue to look like the number one team in the nation. For Wake Forest, they need to work on their deep coverage and need to keep putting pressure on the QB. They also need to connect with more receivers. Wake Forest is a good team, but they just do not have the capacity to compete with Clemson's offense. Finally, Clemson plays the Citadel Bulldogs next week at Clemson. This should be an easy game for Clemson, though. But the Citadel has upset number one teams before. Wake Forest then plays the NC Wolf Pack at North Carolina. They are pretty evenly matched, so this will be a close one. This is Weston Benner, over and out. Braden Blackburn, and you're going to tell us a little bit about your segment. Can I start? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so in my segment, I talked about the Texans versus Chiefs game. In the beginning of the segment, I talked about the quarters and how the Texans had a um the Texans had a um good first quarter, but they couldn't hold it out for the second and third, and then they tried to make a last fourth quarter push, but that it, then it was too late. The second part of my se um, segment, I talked about the players, the star players. Okay. I think you have to give Patrick Mahomes. What's that? I think you have to give the. I think you have to give it to Patrick Mahomes as a star player, um, for the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey. But for the Texans, I put um David Johnson. I a lot of people say Deshaun Watson, but I would give it to David Johnson because we have not seen him on the field healthy a lot in the past two years or like at full strength he looked at full strength and he played very well okay well we're excited to um listen to your segment thanks for joining me thank you welcome in it's Braden blackburn and today we will be talking about the houston texans game the houston texans lost 20 to 34 to the kansas city chiefs in the first quarter, the Texans were looking strong with scoring seven points and the Chiefs had none. 
Then the drought happened. The Texans ended up scoring zero in the second and the third quarter, while the Chiefs scored 23 points. The Texans made a lot and made a last quarter push that didn't help. It was too late. I think if you... And then the Kansas City Chiefs did score in the fourth. I think if you had to pick a star player from this game... Out of everyone, you have to pick Patrick Williams. He had a great game. He passed the ball to everyone he needed to. He hit the open wide receivers. Travis Kelsey had a monster game. And Sammy Watkins had a good game. I'll give credit. The Texans did stop Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill did not have his best games, which was big. And if you had to give a star player to the Texans, I would have to say David Johnson. Yes, you could say De- um, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson had a good game. He always has a good game. But David Johnson had a really good game. Like, if we're being honest, we have not seen a good David Johnson in a while. Because he was, last year he got his starting role taken by Kenyon Drake. And the year before he was injured. So seeing a healthy David Johnson, that's a sign. If David Johnson's good and we can give him some carries to give the ball, um, to give Deshaun Watson a break, we could make a playoff push. It just depends if David Johnson stays healthy. And this is another good, because no one liked that trade with D-Hop for David Johnson and um, that other guy. But if David Johnson proves to be that he's still a star running back in the NFL, this could help Bill O'Brien. I really think the Texans will have a okay year. I do not think the Texans will be as good. Yes, yes, David John they've had one of the better running backs now, but you lost D Hop and D Hop was Deshaun Watson's favorite target. I think if the Texans do want to make a playoff run and make a push in the playoffs, I think you have to make sure Will Fuller stays healthy and he can get the deep ball. Because if we can get him the deep ball, then we are good. Because if he doesn't stay healthy, then that puts more pressure on Deshaun because then he has to throw to Brandon Cooks. And I'm saying if Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller could stay healthy, these are both really good players when they are healthy. They're not bad at all. I'd rather have two really good players and one elite but I still think hurting Deshaun with losing D-Hop will always hurt Deshaun. That will haunt him. But I'm saying David Johnson had a great game. And if we're going back to Kansas City Chiefs, they looked back to being unstoppable. Their defense looks a lot better by holding them to only 24. Yes, that's still a lot. But last year, the, their defense was not good. They won because of blowouts. They won because their offense was so dominant. But if we can get, if they can get their defense better, they will win again. Looking forward in the Texans game, the Texans play Baltimore, which is scary. Just as me and a Houston Texan, Lamar looked crazy like he always does. He hit the short touchdown passes to Mark Andrews. And he made those plays. Then their rookie, I was not expecting this, that their rookie got more of the work. Their rookie running back, J.K. Dobbins, had two touchdowns. I thought they would give the low to Mark Ingram. 
and stuff, but I don't know. I think to win this game, we have to contain Lamar. We can't let Lamar get out of his pocket, and we have to start stop Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is their most dominant, probably pass catcher, but then there's Hollywood Brown. So don't let the deep ball go. There's a lot of things you have to stop them for. Don't let the deep ball go with Hollywood Brown. Contain Lamar. Contain and stop and have a QB spy. If we can have all of those, I think the Texans will have a good game and win. And then Deshaun just has to hit the deep ball and stop a really good Baltimore defense. That's concluding our episode of the day. See you later. All right, we're here with David. Uh, how do you say your last name? Chiesa. Chiesa Pineda? Yes. Okay, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about your segment. Okay, so in my segment, we're talking about the Brighton against Chelsea game. And the so final... That's the first game of the Premier League, right? Yes. And, and um, what... Give us just a little brief recap of what happened. The The final score was 3-1. The ball possession was from Brighton was 51%. And for Chelsea was 49%. And Brighton got defeated. Um, and, Who, and um, So I know I, Pulisic didn't play for Chelsea, did he? No. And didn't Werner, did Werner get hurt? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm excited to listen to your segment. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, guys. This is David from Pinnacle Middle School. We're going to be talking about the Brighton against Chelsea game. So, first, let's get it. Get into it. Okay, the the team stats were 13 shots from Brighton and 10 from Chelsea. Three shots from Brighton, Brighton on target and five from Chelsea on target. The ball possession, this is surprising, but Brighton had a 53% of possession and 47% of Chelsea had 47%. Passes. Brighton passed the ball 507 times. Chelsea's 465. The pass accuracy 81% for Brighton and 83% from Chelsea. Fouls, 8 fouls from Brighton and 13 from Chelsea. Jello cards, 1 from Brighton, 0 for um, Chelsea. Corners, 4 corners for Brighton. And three corners for Chelsea. And the starting lineup it are going to be the starting lineup. The the new signing, Timo Werner, is started on the, on the line, on the first team line. So then... And then, um, 
the lineup for Brighton. Number eleven. Um, hold on, guys. The line, starting lineup. Starting lineup. Hold on, guys. I'm I'm trying to do two things in the, at the same time. Um. Um. Okay, so the first eleven were um okay Chelsea first eleven James Kristen Suma Alonso Lucem Cheeks um Jorginho Kante Hart Havertz sorry Werner Mount Subs um Rodier Barkley Abraham Caballero Giroud Hudson Odoi Absilisuela And mm, okay, and the goals were from Jorginho penalty, by the way. James from an outside banger, and Suma from a corner. And that'll be it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. And. Chelsea, I'm sorry, and Chelsea, by the way, it's third place on the Premier League stats. The first place comes to Arsenal with three points, Leicester City with three points, and Chelsea with three points. And thank you guys for listening, and bye-bye. Have a nice day. All right, we're here with Palmer McNutty, right? Is that how you say your last name? McNulty. McNulty. I'm sorry. I apologize. Man, I got so many last names to remember. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your segment. Okay. um, Well, it was based off of the game on September 14th, Monday night, starting at 6.15. It was um, the New York Giants against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why did you pick that game? Well, I was going to do a different game, but then my dad said, you can't stay up that late on Sunday night. (laughs) I was going to watch uh, Dallas and Rams, but I I couldn't get there in time, and... um, and also, like, I only watched, like, half of the second quarter for that. But I watched, like, almost all of the game uh, with the Steelers and the Giants. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'm excited to listen to your segment. Thanks for joining me. All right. Wait, is this it? Hello, this is Palmer McNulty here reviewing with you about the game that happened on at Monday night. I mean, wait, hold on. Yeah, Monday night at the date September 14th and um the we will be reviewing the NFL game between the New York Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the second quarter, 
Giants running back Saquon Barkley made an amazing play where he ran six yards faking out the defense of the Steelers and then he actually dodged many people and jumped over them until he was tackled. In the third quarter, near the end zone, Giants quarterback Jones made a bad throw that went up and the Steeler Hayward made a high jump and intercepted it. In the third quarter, the Steeler Snell made an amazing run at least 10 yards where he also basically did what Saquon Barkley did. He faked out so many people. The Giants had the ball mostly in the third quarter, while vice versa for the fourth. The Giants also had main possession of the ball in the first half. In the first half, Saquon Barkley was looking amazing and like he would really help make an impact. It turns out, well, you'll have to listen more. In the fourth quarter, the Steelers made a touchdown that practically closed the game. So what they did was they made an amazing catch, and then their taunt, the person that made it, his taunt, made it look like he was just sitting there watching TV. In the fourth quarter, the Steelers' strategy, after they had made that game-closing touchdown, their, their plan was to run out the clock. The score then was 26-10, Steelers up. The Giants didn't have a chance. By the way, car companies buy a lot of ad time for the NFL. I don't know why. They just do. Now, a funny thing about this is that the Giants were actually in the lead for most of the game. Uh, Well, no, I shouldn't say that. For the first kind of half. It started off 3-zip, then 3-all, and then the Giants had 9, Steelers had 10. That was the game a winning part. Well, no, that was the turnover point in this game. It went from the Giants having 9, Steelers 3, to then the Steelers made a touchdown, scored, then made another touchdown, then made the field goal for another touchdown until they finally got 26. Saquon Barkley, whenever being exclusively interviewed, said that he thought he could do better for his team and that next time he will try harder. So, it sounds like he has been is has a big determination. Now, the the worst player in this game was probably someone 
from the Steelers. But they worked as a team more than the Giants. The Giants only relied on a few people to help them win. They shouldn't have done that. The Steelers actually won by moving as a unit. The Giants did the opposite and lost. Thank you for tuning in to Palmer's podcast today, and we will see you next time. Bye. All right, I'm here with Abdul. How do I say your last name? Gafar? Gafar, yes. All right, tell us um, a little bit about your segment. So the statement I did was I was talking about the NFL, the game of the week, the Buccaneer versus the Saints with two of the best quarterbacks, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, and they oh, play against each other. And it's yeah. how many? I mean, how many combined yards do those two quarterbacks have? That's a lot, right? Yeah, around when they uh, they have around five hundred thousand yards combined. Five hundred thousand. I mean, not not five hundred fifty. Uh, fifty thousand. Fifty. Yes. That that's still a whole lot of yards, right? Uh huh. All right. Well, um, I'm excited to listen to your segment. Thank you for yeah. joining me. You're welcome. Hello, welcome to One Hour School What Podcast, where we talk about where we talk about the Pinnock School sports and interview players from that sport and interview players around the Houston area. But today we're not talking about the Houston area or Pinnock Middle Schools team. We're talking about the NFL Football National League. Today we're talking about the game of the week. The two of the best quarterbacks playing against each other. Two of the best players to ever step on the court playing against each other. We're talking about the Buccaneers with their new quarterback, Tom Brady, play against the Saints with their old, old quarterback, Drew Brees. Two of the best, best ever to do and two of the best, best ever quarterbacks. The game, the game was fun to watch. It was very, very fun to watch two of the greatest players to play against each other, and it, uh, like I said, it was so fun to watch. The score was twenty-two to thirty-four Saints, with Drew Brees having one hundred sixty yards and two touchdown passes. Well, Drew Brees wasn't the player of the game, though. Player of the game was Alvin Kamara, the running back for the Saints. He didn't have well rushing the yards, even though he's he's a quarterback. He but he had well he had well receiving the yards. He had only sixteen rushing yards and one TD rush yard. Sixteen rushing yards. That's bad for a quarterback. Bad, bad. Usually, quarterbacks average like 77 rushing yards a game, but I don't know what happened. I guess it's the first game, but he still needs to step it up with his rushing yard. But the good thing is, he made it. He made it his rush yard up with his receiving yard. He had 51 receiving yards and one touchdown receiving touchdown. 
but the player and he was Alvin Kamara was the player of the game. He did good everything. But the worst player today was Michael Thomas, the best receiver of the Saints, the Pro Bowler last year. He didn't play well today. He was rusty because it's his first game. But he shouldn't be rusty because he had the off season to get the rust off. But he didn't still didn't play well. But it's okay. I think he's gonna step it up. It's just his first game. He didn't play well. He had only 17, uh, 17 receiving yards and no TD. Last year, he's a pro bowler. Last year, he averaged like 100 receiving yards per game and like at least one TD per game. So that's not good for him. He need to step it up. The turning point of the game was the, in the second quarter because in the second quarter, the Saints with Drew Brees they scored 17 points, 17, and the Bucks with Tom Brady, they scored zero, so at the half of the game, at the halftime, the, but, and the Saints with Drew Brees had a huge, huge lead, but when the, in the second quarter, especially in the third quarter, the Bucks tried to make a comeback. They came within one touchdown, but it was too late, too. So they lost. But the Saints won with a score of twenty-three to thirty-four, and the Saints won because they had success. They did everything perfectly. They had more success running the ball, and they had more success receiving the ball. Then the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers had this. Uh, had had um, the Buccaneers had some trouble running and receiving the yard. They didn't do bad, but they didn't do. They did well, but they didn't do perfectly like the Saints. The Buccaneers. They also lost because it was Tom Brady like first game with the Buccaneers. They didn't have that much Buccaneers, um, that much uh, communication with each other. So I guess that's that's also the reason why they lost. He had been with the Patriots for twenty years and they just switched him to another team, bro. So yeah, that's why I think they also lost because they need better communication. Next year the Buccaneers will play against the Panthers, and I believe. Buccaneers will win because Tom Brady and the Buccaneers will come out strong since they left dead against the Saints with Trubies. And also, they're going to have a better uh, communication with each other. So I think they're going to have better receiving and running the ball on the field. So yeah, that's it for today, one hour school wide podcast. See you later. Enjoy the day. Bye. All right, I'm here with Andrew. Is it Lou? Yes. All right, um, welcome in. Tell us a little bit about your segment. All right, so for my segment, I did uh, I did it on the Lakers and Rockets game five game. Not much of a game, was it? No, we sort of got destroyed by the third quarter. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, in the future you're going to talk about whether the Lakers or whether the Rock who the Rockets should hire as a head coach. Yeah.
Okay. Any any preview of who you might want the Rockets to to hire? I was thinking about uh, Sam Cassell, the Clippers assistant coach. Sam Cassell, is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't he used to play for the Rockets? Yeah, he did. Oh, that would be cool. All right. Well, I'm excited to listen to your segment. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Andrew Liu in 8th grade at Pin Oak, and I, I'm going to be talking about basketball today. So the game I'll be like recapping of is the Rockets and Lakers game, or Game 5. So the Lakers beat the Rockets in Game 5 by at like 119-96 victory to advance to the Western Conference Finals with the series ending 4-1 in the Lakers' favor. The Lakers' starting lineup included LeBron James, Pope, Danny Green, Anthony Davis, and Marka Morris. The Eric Gore... Uh, the Rockets had uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Eric Gordon, Robert Covington, and P.J. Tucker. So the top scorers for the Rockets was, not surprisingly, James Harden, who scored 30 points, Jeff Green with 13, and Russell Westbrook with only 10. Next, the top scorers for the Lakers was, also not surprising, LeBron James with 29 points, Kyle Kuzma with 17, and Anthony Davis with 13. The Rockets averaged 37 from the field and 27 from the three. On the other hand, the Lakers... Surprising since like they're not like known to be like a shooting team. Fifty-two from the field and a staggering fifty-one percent from the three-point line. So they made half of their three-point shots, which is completely crazy. So next is like the turning point in the game slash match. So I think the turning point of the game was right off the start, and the game was practically over during like the third quarter. So the Lakers scored thirteen points on fast breaks during the first quarter compared to zero for Houston. The Lakers scored thirteen out of 18 from the floor and 7 out of 12 from deep. When the third quarter finished, the game was practically over as the Lakers had shot like uh, 15 out of 27, a 48% on the three-point shots during the first three quarters, and they held a 26-point lead. And the Rockets shot uh, about around 30% from the three-point range during the same quarters. So it's like, during this game, the Lakers' like, three-point shoot was just like right on, and like, they made half their shots, which is completely crazy. Next is like the individual performance. Well, this is easily LeBron James. So he finished with 29 points, 7 assists, and 11 rebounds. So he set the tone of the game from the start, and he almost scored a triple-double. So this this game was like one of LeBron's best postseason games he had so far. So next is the worst individual performance. I think it's Eric Gordon. So he played really bad compared to his like time in the game. He played for 29 minutes and only scored 5 points, 1 assist, and 2 rebounds. Like, he could have, like, just chosen, like, some, like, irrelevant player that, like, no one knows about that, like, played for, like, one minute and got, like, nothing. But, like, since I'm counting the time into this thing, so he played, like, 30 minutes and he played the worst uh, out of everyone with the time he played in the game. So, I think the Rockets lost because of, like, how, like, like first out of extraordinarily well the Lakers play where they're, like, shooting. And the Rockets, like, poor shooting and they're trouble to get rebounds. So the Lakers popped off and the three-point shooting was like top-notch. They scored 19 out of 37 threes at a, like a 48 percentage uh, compared to the Rockets 27 from deep. I think like the, I'm pretty sure the Lakers uh, tied like their like career, like their, like the franchise highest for three-point shooting, I think, this game. So by, so next, the uh, Rockets also fell behind on rebounds too. So the Lakers managed to get around 50 rebounds by the end of the game while the Rockets were able to get around like 30. So LeBron and Anthony Davis both ended the game with 11, 11, 11 rebounds each, while Harden had the most rebounds for Houston with 6, surprisingly. 
So I feel like the Saturday's game was just like a horrible day for the Rockets with House leaving the NBA like just right before the game and just how bad the uh, Houston players played other than Harden. The Rockets are now eliminated from like the playoffs and the Lakers advance to the Western Conference Finals. So next up for the Rockets offseason is full of like surprises. So Houston's coach Mike D'Antoni tells the Rockets he won't return as a coach for like the next seasons. So that leaves like the open coach role. So in my opinion, I think the Rockets will sign Sam Cassell, the uh, Clippers assistant coach. Like many, I, I read an article about like how many people around the NBA say Cassell is ready to be like a head coach. And as like a former Rockets player, he should be like loved in Houston. So next is uh, about Russell Westbrook. So the decision to trade Chris Paul for Westbrook uh, appears to be like a failure for the Rockets at this point. Like people, like we felt that like Paul's contract was like not really worth it, and, but like it's clearly obvious that now he like he was a legitimate trade value because he basically carried the Thunder to the fifth seed. So after like the Rockets basically lacked uh, lack much for assets to be able to upgrade their team, so like Houston will like need their superstars to carry the load throughout a playoff. And like I don't think Westbrook statistically does not like appear to be like the match to do it. So the Rockets do like look to trade Russell Westbrook in like the NBA offseason. It may be difficult to land like a favorable return. Additionally, like there'll be like a burden played on Harden to make to make plays on offense. But they, like the Rockets could also like not just trade him, just keep him. But like as my opinion, I don't think like Westbrook really goes on with like the Rockets like play style and stuff like that. And that's all for my podcast. All right, I'm here with Caleb Carter. Um, tell us about your segment. Okay, so in my segment, I recapped the Lakers versus Rockets game. I went game, over... Which game? Game five? Uh, game seven, or game five, yeah. yeah. What? Not much to cover, was there? Uh, no, there actually was a lot. You, I covered about the defense on the Lakers, the some of the offseason moves I think the Rockets should do, and just the shooting-wise, and a little bit of the stats, a little bit more okay. about what, um Do you have, like, a candidate for the new Rockets head coach? Um, Not really, just someone who kind of sticks with the same game plan, but, you know, Works a little bit more, like, hopefully to get a new center over the offseason, right? Okay. And just someone who kind of, like, still works with, like, James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the ISO. I think that was, like, really good. All right. Like, shoot a lot of threes still type of team. Yeah. Yeah. They did pretty good uh, at the beginning of the season, I feel like. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm excited to listen to your segment. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Hello, my name is Caleb Carter, and today I'm going to be talking to you about the Lakers versus Rockets game. Now, the final score of the game was 96-119, Los Angeles. And the shooting-wise, the game was pretty even at 45% from the field on Rockets' side and 46% on Lakers' side. The spot shooters on the Lakers did really good that game. Uh, Danny Green, he did he had a really good game. But I think the best individual performance was probably LeBron James because he had 29 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists. Now on the Rockets side, spot shooters, were they uh, weren't that good because of the Lakers' defense. Eric Gordon, he only had 5 points and 2 boards as a starter. Not the best. 
But, I mean, their defense is really good. And the Lakers, basically, their defense was they'd put a center on Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook, he cannot, he doesn't have a three-point game. Like, he he's not, like, statistic-wise, he's not a good three-point shooter. But, so they put a, uh, Anthony Davis on him or the center that was in, he, they, he would be on Russell Westbrook. And then that would make it to where the Rockets, they can't get, with their five-out plan, they can't get, they can't, uh, let Harden ISO, and then that's the whole game plan to ISO, then dish it out because Harden he's he's one of the best attackers in the league. So yeah, he can. That's a almost a guaranteed point if you let the ISO happen. So they just put a center on uh, Russell Westbrook, and so the center can just kind of camp the paint, and if James Harden tries to drive in, the center uh, will be there. So I think that was a really big reason why why the uh, Rockets lost the series and they just you know lost the final game because of that too uh Russell Westbrook I mean if he could shoot threes he I mean it's small ball right so it's kind of hard to play small ball anyways when you know the tallest guy is 6'6 when you're playing against Giants like LeBron James is taller than every single person on the team and he's not even a center Anthony Davis, he's like seven foot. So I mean, like the refs, they they weren't like they weren't calling it in favor of the Rockets, but because they're gonna let the big guys bully the little guys in the paint. And I mean, so that's kind of just what happened with Anthony Davis when he got the ball in the post. They didn't, they didn't call any fouls against him, and you know, they, he just got the bucket almost every time. The spot shooters on the Lakers were also just really good with because LeBron James, he could, if they collapsed, because what happened was that they collapsed on LeBron James to uh, when he tried to get the ISO. And, they, yeah, he just dime it out, and the spot shooters were hitting, knocking down their shots. So that did definitely did not help in the Rockets' side. I mean, when you had to just have LeBron James having a good game and the spot shooters having a good game, can't really do much about that. No, but off season, Russell Westbrook he needs to develop a three ball game. I think that's just a huge problem. I were, hopefully we get a center too. And since uh, Den Tony is leaving in the Rockets, uh, the, I think the first like 30 games before the season like got delayed. Uh, that was a pretty good team, and we had a pretty good game plan. I mean, we weren't doing yeah, we, we were doing pretty good. And then uh, we went small ball, and we did decent small ball, but, you know, you can't really expect to get far when you have Lakers, like uh, like two seven-footers and a 6'8". So, I mean, yeah, hopefully they get a center. And the new coach hopefully runs kind of the similar game plan. Uh, Yeah. And the opening minutes really was just the turning point of the game. The Lakers just took the lead and never really looked back. I think uh, the Lakers had a good start for sure. The Rockets, they're kind of just like, they're just, uh, you know, they didn't really have a hop in their step in the first quarter. And they got down 25. And this team basically being a guaranteed two, like having a guaranteed two points every time, you can't really, it's hard to compete with that. 
especially with their defense being so good. And um, they did get the lead down to, like, at the end of the first half, it was down 10. And I think, it, like, third quarter kind of stayed around 10. I mean, just fourth quarter, they're the final score. They're down by 20. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard. Just when you your toss player is 6'6", six, six, it's kind of hard, you know, hard to play defense on seven-footers, get boards. I mean, they just have, you know, high advantage, wingspan advantage, weight advantage. So, I mean, yeah, James Harden, he had a pretty good game. Uh, 27 points or 28 points, not 30 points. Uh, I mean, the shooting, shooting like percentage, it uh, was pretty even, but I think the just Rockets took less threes than they normally would with their small ball, so it's kind of, you know, why I think they lost. Yeah, I'm going to end the episode here. Thank you for listening. All right, I'm here with Matthew. How do I say your last name? Burley. Burley. Okay, tell us a little bit about your segment this week. Um, I talked about the game between the Cowboys and the Rams on Sunday. On Sunday night? Yeah. Uh, yes. Are, are you a Cowboys fan? Um, yes. And you live in Houston? Oh, no. You don't like the Texans? You don't like J.J. what? Uh, the Texans are not that good. Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> that's a pretty good reason. But are the Cowboys good, though? I don't know. They have just, I like their players. Okay. All right, well, thanks for joining the meeting, and um, I'm excited to hear your segment. Okay, thank you. Hello, my name is Matthew Burley, and I'm going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys and their game against the Rams on Sunday. I think the turning point in the game was um, when Dallas got stopped on, like, the 15-yard line with 11 minutes left. And they were doing good, but after that, they never moved the ball, so... I think that was an important point. If they would have scored, they could have had a way better chance of winning the game. I think the best performance individually was probably the Rams running back, Malcolm Brown. He scored two touchdowns, and he had a lot of yards. And that I think the worst performance was, well, no one played that bad, but... I didn't think that Ezekiel Elliott played good. I thought that he he didn't really get any long runs. And then he, <clears throat> he didn't get long runs. He only scored, right, like, Sam. one touchdown. Sam Hawker, I'm going to call you next. And um, it wasn't long. And it was just because Dak got them down to the goal line. I think that they lost, the Dallas Cowboys, they lost because they never really scored at touchdowns near the goal line. They were kicking a lot of field goals. 
and their next game is against the Falcons, and I think that they're probably going to win. All right, I'm here with Christopher Alvarado Morales. Um, welcome in. Tell us a little bit about your segment this week. Uh, my segment's about Chelsea versus Brighton. You did Chelsea versus Brighton also? Somebody else did that earlier too. Okay, tell us, tell us a little bit about what you're going to talk about. Um, the season for... Chelsea. That was like the the first game of English Premier League for the season. Yes. And um, are you chose that game because you like Chelsea or because you like Brighton? Because I like Chelsea. Chelsea. Um, who's like who's like your favorite player on Chelsea? Um, I would choose maybe. Kai Havertz or Timo Werner? Okay, he, not not Christian Pulisic. Not that much. Oh man, see, I'm a I'm a Chelsea fan also, but mostly because Christian Pulisic plays for Chelsea. Um, well, I'm excited to listen to your pod, to your um to your segment this week. Thanks for joining me. You too. versus Brighton, which, if you didn't know who starts for Chelsea, it's going to be Kappa Ingo, Cesar Aspiricueta, Thiago Silva, Kuzmama, Ben Showell on the defense, Ingo Locante, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, Midfield and Hakim Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, and Timo Werner for the striking position. And they were 3 1, Chelsea winning by two goals. Georgino scoring on the 23rd minute by penalty, Reese James scoring on the 56th minute, Kutsuam on the 66th, Leandro Trosser. Brighton scored on the 40, 54th minute. The player of the match was Reese James by scoring the second goal to win the game for Chelsea. And for me, one player that did do good out there in the pitch on Sunday was Ruben Loftus Cheek, a Chelsea player. He plays in the midfield. He can improve his skills. And Brighton lost is because Reese James scored an amazing goal from outside the box. But then Kurzlama scored in the 66th minute from a corner kick. Which Brighton could have done better there, but they can improve at their practice for their next match. And Chelsea's next game on Sunday is versus Liverpool, which is a good team. It's going to 
going to be a good battle for Chelsea versus Liverpool on Sunday, 11.30 a.m., which Liverpool also won the Champions League last year, and they also won the Premier League. But Chelsea, for now, they're on third place, beating Liverpool. But we're going to see about that on Well, that's it. I'll see you guys on the next one. All right, I'm here with Gerardo Limon, and uh, what is your uh, what's your segment about this week? Um, it's about um. PSG or Paris Saint, I don't know, Germain yeah. versus uh, Marseille, which um, it was really unexpected for them to lose, or PSG. Cause they yeah, were, weren't they, like, loaded with Neymar and uh, Mbappe? And... Yeah, they were, but they got, like, three red cards. So uh, Three red were, cards? Yeah, there were, like, two on the other team. It was, wow. Like, Cause it started like a fight, so it was like really unfortunate for them. I think the last come out like I think Neymar got a red card. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, I'm excited to listen to more about it uh, during your segment. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for having me. Hello. Welcome, everyone. My name is Gerardo, and here we're gonna be recapping. Um, Marseille versus PSG. So, we had, like, a really, this was, like, a really bad game for PSG here. Um, we had the lineups. We had, um, Neymar, Di Maria, um, Kobani, um, Mbappé, Iandro mm. Paredes, and for Marseille, we had some, well, I really don't know some of them, because I really don't watch games again, like when they play, so it's probably going to be some people, I might have heard them before. But let's see, let's see, what do we see here? So we have, mm, check, we have, Mandola as the goalie, Gonzalez, mm, Lopez, Payet, I know that guy. This is one that we have. Mm. Um, these are the substitutes. So, yeah. It was a really... Something... This really was like... When Neymar got a red card, that was really like a really turning point. In this game, there was about five red cards. It was really bad because they like started fighting, so they had to give them red cards. Yeah, we had 
about a thing. Like one, yeah. But I think most of the red cards were on. Were on, PSG. I think they had three, and Marseille had two, if I'm correct. And. Yeah, it's really bad. But I mean, Marseille won against PSG. I mean, yeah, I guess they had like a bit less players than them. I think someone that they're really good with this player from the PSG. Oh no, from Marseille. Um. It was the goalkeeper. Yep, the goalkeeper did really good. He blocked so many shots. You know, and at the end, they won. So, I think he's a, he's a person that did really good at the game. Someone did bad. Um, I think it's like it's like maybe like two of them. It was Neymar and Di Maria. They went. Um, so, um, Di Maria was, I think, he was a substitute in the second half. Um, He was... Like, he missed so many opportunities to score goals. And then on Neymar, well, he started, like, a fight. So, I mean, he that was a bad game for him. He didn't really do much. He got a right card, and he got out. I think really why they lost the game was, like, because um, they really didn't, they, like, they fought a lot. So, like, that led to, like, red cards. And they had less players, so... They had um less of an advantage against them, so they really if they wouldn't fought about like fought, they probably could have like done some better something better um yeah, and what can I think something they can do their next game is like maybe have. Well, some they're not gonna have some of their good players, so I'm just thinking that they get like uh more practice and not try to make fights, cause usually it doesn't end well for people. So I'm just thinking like you know, not start fights, you know, take it calm, you know, just focus on the game, right, you know. So that's my opinion on it. I'm pretty sure everybody should like not try to fight over like stuff, so they don't have the like, so they don't take more players away from them. Something else is that a preview of the next game. Let's see. I think they could win it if they have like if they have more um, what's it called concentration on the game instead of fighting. Like, you know, they don't get so violent easily. You know, I think they could take it home. But I, I think they could win next game. But it's going to be a bit tough for not some of their players usually line up. Their usual line up against teams. So that's my opinion. And, yeah, thank you all for listening. Bye. We're here with Edward Campbell, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his segment for this week. So my segment for this week was about the Rockets-Lakers game. 
like how the game went and then what we should do in the offseason to make our team better next year. And like also the players of the game and the players that didn't do well, like Russell Westbrook and how we should like who should we sign in, in the free in free agency and who should we trade for and who should we sign for a coach. Okay. Who do you who do you think they should sign for a coach? I think we should sign Tyron Lou because oh. he was a good coach for the Cavs. And I think, that's I think a pretty popular choice right now. Yeah. And if like there's a stretch of an option, but Popovich, he's a free agent, and if he doesn't want to coach the Spurs because they're like not a contender anymore, maybe he can come to the Rockets because we're sort of a contender and we're not too far away from San Antonio. Ooh, that's a good idea. Well, I'm inter- I'm excited to listen to more of your segment. So thanks for joining me. Thanks. Hi, this is Edward Campbell from One Hour School Ride, and today I'll be covering the Houston Rockets Los Angeles Lakers game from Saturday night. So, on Saturday night, the Houston Rockets play the Lakers in Game 5 of the Western Conference semifinals. The Rockets were at an immediate disadvantage before the game because one of our key role players, Daniel House Jr., got suspended for the bubble a few days prior to the game for sneaking a girl into his hotel room. This is very critical to the team because he gave us very great um, depth off the bench. And without him, we're not as good as the team on the court. So, in the first quarter, the Lakers got off to a hot start, which put them up 15 points going into the second quarter. In the second period, the Rockets started to cut into the lead with the team only trailing by 11 going into the second half. But in the third quarter, the Lakers completely shut down hopes of a comeback by increasing their lead to 26 points. In the fourth quarter, the Rockets just accepted defeat by putting in the players that usually don't get minutes, like Michael Frazier, Bruno Caboclo, and Chris Clemens. Everyone on the Rockets were very frustrated towards the end of the game, especially Russell Westbrook. And with that frustration, he did not want to be bugged. So when Rajon Rondo's brother started talking trash from the crowd, it really didn't sit well with him. He ended up immediately confronting him, the officials escorted him out of the stadium, and he hasn't been heard from since the game. The Rockets ended up losing 119-96, to and they are now eliminated from the playoffs. The turning point of the game was in the first quarter when we dug ourselves into a 15-point hole, and in the third quarter, after we tried to make a comeback, and the Lakers pushed their lead to 26 points. The players of the game were James Harden and LeBron James. James Harden had 30 points, had six rebounds and five assists, while LeBron James had 29 points, seven assists, and 11 rebounds. The players that did the worst this game were the whole, were pretty much the entire Rockets starting five, especially Russell Westbrook. For example, P.J. Tucker went three for 10 from the field, and Robert Covington went two for seven from the field, which is terrible shooting numbers. Eric Gordon also only went two for seven from the field, which is also bad. And to cap it off, Russell Westbrook went four for 13 from the field, zero from three from the three-point line, and only scored 10 points. This gave him a negative 23 plus minus. I think that the Rockets lost this game because our shooting numbers were terrible compared to the Lakers. For example, we only went 37% from the field that game, while the Lakers went 52%. And we're supposed to be three-point specialists, by the way, but we only went 26% from the three-point line, while the Lakers went 51% from the three-point line. 
We also got out-rebounded by 15 rebounds, which is the downside of our small ball lineup. We also had more fouls as well. Another reason why we lost is the lack of bench depth without Daniel House, causing the Rockets to play players that we would normally never play. With this loss, the Rockets have been eliminated from the playoffs, which brings an off-season of uncertainty for the team, for the players and the coaches. Already, Mike D'Antoni, our head coach for the past five years, has decided that he wouldn't want to come back for the for next season. So that leaves a vacant coaching spot that the Rockets need to fill. There have been four coaching candidates that the Rockets have named that might be the head coach for next year. First, we have Tyron Liu, who was the head coach of the championship-winning 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers. We also have Sam Cassell, who was on the Rockets championship teams in the 1994-95 seasons. Another option would be Jeff Van Gundy, the coach of the Rockets from 2003 to 2007. The final option is Jason Kidd, who was a star for the New Jersey Nets in the 90s, but his player stardom has not translated well into coaching. Personally, I think that the Rockets should sign Tyrone Lewis, the head coach, and then make Sam Cassell or Jeff Van Gundy the assistant because all three of those people have good experience in coaching and the NBA in general. Now the Rockets are left with a small ball lineup without the small ball coach, so it calls for Daryl Morey to make moves to move some players. Personally, I think that Russell Westbrook never fit well with the team because if we were trying to run small ball and shoot threes and be able to switch, Westbrook doesn't fit that because he only shoots, he's only effective from the mid-range. Therefore, I think we should trade him for a stretch big that could mesh well with Harden and a decent guard so that there's a different ball handler for when Harden is um, tired. But primarily, Harden is the main ball handler. But a trade like this would be hard to pull off because of Westbrook's massive contract, and we'd barely have any picks left after the trade to get Chris Paul and the trade to get Westbrook. Daryl Morey will have to work some magic this offseason so that the Rockets can be in contention again to compete with the Lakers teams next year. I think we should build our lineup with Harden at the 1, Eric Gordon at the 2, Robert Covenant at the 3, P.J. Tucker at the 4, and then try to trade Westbrook for a good center like maybe Carl Anthony Towns or um, Miles Turner or somebody of that nature. I don't know. This offseason is going to be a struggle for the Daryl Morey, and you'll have to work some magic to flip some very big contracts and try his best to make some signings. This has been Edward Campbell from One Hour Squad, and I hope you enjoyed this segment of our podcast. All right, I'm here with Sam Hoffer. Um, tell us about your segment. Who, what teams did you talk about? I talked about the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets in the playoffs? What game? Um, the last game between the Lakers and the Rockets. Was that like game five or six? I think it was game five, right? Did game they lose 4-1? Yes. Um, blowout, right? Yeah, kind of a blowout. <laughs> okay. Uh, what, other, what other sports teams are you interested in besides the Rockets? Uh, I really like the Texans and the Celtics and all those other NBA teams. Okay, cool. Um, what sports do you play? Do you play any sports? Uh, well, I mean, I don't play in like a league or anything, but I do play like basketball sometimes in my driveway and stuff like that. Okay, cool. 
Well, I'm excited to hear your segment. So thank you for joining. Thank you. Hello and welcome. My name is Sam and I will be talking about the Rockets today. So basically what happened was we got swept four to one in the series. It was 119 to 96. We lost this game and we had, we did not have the best game, but we did come back sometimes. James Harden had 30 points, five assists, six rebounds, and 42 minutes in the game. Russell Westbrook had 10 points, six assists, four rebounds, and 36 minutes. Um, the turning point in the game, we didn't really have a turning point, but we did come back to down to the lead to nine. And that was probably our best, best or closest we ever gotten to them. And, um, James Harden was not doing the best this, this, uh, season, but this, uh, this game, but he didn't do really bad. He had, he did his average 30 points, five assists, you know, and then we had another great hit, Jeff Green, which had thir 13 points, two rebounds in 25 minutes. And the Lakers, LeBron was going off, even though he only had 29 points, seven assists, 11 boards in 31 minutes. Anthony Davis had 13 points, 4 assists, 11 rebounds, and 34 minutes in the game. Now, we were, we did good on, actually, we didn't do very well on three-pointers. We were off, we only had a 26.5 three-point percentage, and They've got, they got way more boards than us because we don't have a big man. We're, we play small ball, so. The best performance we've seen this game was probably James Harden. He was amazing and, and like driving and more. Great on defense too. The worst performance we probably had this game. Hmm. Probably the worst we probably did was with Michael Frazier. He had zero points, one assist, and two rebounds. But let's give him credit, he only had four minutes. On the Lakers, their worst performance was Javeli McGee. He had zero points, zero assist, and three, three rebounds. But also, who did pretty bad, as well as not just him, was Jared Dudley. He had zero points, zero assists, zero rebounds in six minutes. So that was worse for them. But playoff for LeBron definitely was good. He's definitely a different breed. And the only reason 
I mean, well, there's a lot of reasons we lost. We need a lot. We need to get new players this season, like such as Carl Anthony Towns, many more centers. But yeah, we need big men. We've we've been focusing on shooters right now, even though we didn't go great shooting in the fourth in the fifth game of against the Lakers. We went um we went thirteen for forty nine on three pointers, which leads up to twenty six point five percent. And free throws we were okay. But they were better, so it was we we went 17 for 24 on free throws, so that would be 70.8 percent. They got way more boards. They got 50, and we got 31. They had way more assists. We had 18. They had 25. They got way more blocks from Javale McGee, and they got seven. We got three. We had more steals though. That was good. And less turnovers. Plus more points in the paint. But we also had a lot of more fouls. Actually, we only had two more fouls. Um, we, I personally think that, that Mike D'Antoni should stay play for us so yeah and I don't think we're not going back this thing but I will be looking forward to watching the Lakers dominate this uh, playoffs um but I do think once we get a good center if we do get a good center that I think we could we could really come back and get us ourselves another championship. Thank you and goodbye. Okay, I'm here with Daniel Camacho and tell me about your segment this week. Uh, my segment in this week was uh, last game's game, which was Liverpool against Leeds. Um, they ended up 4-3, making Liverpool the winner. Man, that's a lot of goals, four to three. Yeah, is uh like Leeds just got promoted into the to the main to the main EPL, right? Yeah, uh, I think this was their first game in the league. Wow, and they scored three goals on Liverpool. Yeah, it was a good, a good game. Do you think? Do you think people are starting to figure out Liverpool? Maybe. Yeah, but I feel like Leeds came out kind of strong, and they're actually they're starting to figure out Leeds, so they're like more fans. Okay. Getting attracted to Lee. Do you, th- do you think Liverpool is the favorite to win the Premier League this year? Or do you think it's like Manchester City or maybe even Chelsea? Um, I think, yeah, I think Liverpool has a p- potential to win the league, I actually think. Okay. I guess we'll see how it plays out. Um, I'm, I'm excited to listen to the rest of your segment. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. What's up, guys? It's me, Daniel Camacho here. And today we're going to talk about last week's game, which was Liverpool against Leeds. The score of the game was 4-3, making Liverpool the winner. Throughout the whole game, it was it was always kind of tight, until the turning point, which was in the 87th minute, when Salah scored a winning goal, which for me made him the MVP of the match, because he had a hat-trick, which means he had scored three goals throughout the match. 
And now comes the worst player, in which I think it had to be on Leeds defenders. Because they weren't marking players, and they were leaving gaps for Liverpool to come through. And those mistakes actually made them lose. The next game, they need to fix that if they want to win. And for the next game, I actually think Liverpool's going to take the win. They actually played really good at last week's game, so I think they'll play good again. And yeah, alright guys, that's it for today, and I'll see y'all next week. Good morning, and my name is Jace Pearson, and today I'm going to be recapping the game that happened this past Sunday against the LA Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. The final score was 99-111. to The Denver Nuggets were able to pull off a win against the Clippers. The turning point of this game was when the defense of the Nuggets was stepped up, causing the Clippers to turn the ball over, and from there, the Nuggets stepped up their defense and were able to secure a win. The best individual player was Nikola Jokic. He had a total score of 34 points, 1 steal, 1 block, 14 rebounds, and 7 assists in his 40 minutes in this game. The worst player was from the LA bench, which is Harrell. He's reigning 6th man of the year and only had 5 points and played 15 minutes. The Clippers lost because of bad shooting 3rd and 4th quarter, causing the Nuggets to outscore the Clippers 64-35 to in 3rd and 4th quarter, causing the Clippers to lose the game. For the Clippers to win the game next week, they must play at a high level like they did in the first and second quarter of this game. And for the Denver Nuggets to win, they must start off very strong like they did in the third and fourth quarter last game and have good defense. For game seven, the final game, the winner will advance to the Western Conference Finals, so I'm excited about that. Hello everyone, I'm your host Madison Williams and today you're tuned in to Pinnock Sports Podcast. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are recapping on Game 5 of the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Houston Rockets. The Los Angeles Lakers ran the Houston Rockets off the court on Saturday night, September 12th, questioned them with their score at 119-96 in Game 5. The win gave the Lakers the series win 4-1 and sent the Rockets home, disappointed again. It was LeBron James who set the tone early, attacking the basket to start the first quarter. What followed was a LeBron assist to Marquis Morris to pull up for three. Then a LeBron driving layup, a Danny Green three, a LeBron dunk, a LeBron driving layup, and then finally the Rockets stepped up and figured they probably should stop letting James get free looks at the basket. They sent him to the line where he made two free throws. LA never looked back. James finished with a team leading 29 points and everyone got evolved equally. Six of the Lakers finished with double-digit points. They just trashed him. James Harden fought for points and at times kept the Rockets somewhat in a good position. He finished with 30 points and went 12 for shooting, 12 for 20 shooting. For the Rockets, that was really it. Westbrook looked completely outmatched and the Rockets have to hope that he can locate what made him special over the years. I'm not sure if it was exhaustion or he's losing a step, but Westbrook was unable to get past defenders in this game and this entire series. If he doesn't have that explosive first step that creates separation and forces defenses to make tough decisions, I'm not sure what Westbrook is very good at. He's not a great shooter, not in great he's not an elite defender and not someone who can control the game unless he's blowing past people. He finished with ten points, went four for thirteen shooting, and went zero for three beyond from beyond the arc. 
It could be tempting for the Rockets to say that's just how it goes. But the Lakers shots fell and the Rockets shots didn't. But that's not what happened. The Lakers led by LeBron James made the shots because they moved the ball as a team and created great looks. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen, on Pinnock Sports Podcast. Have a fantastic day and see you later. All right, that is the end of our podcast for this week. Thank you to the students for contributing their segments. Um, Next week, we will record with our small groups, and it'll be more of an open freestyle, eight to ten minute discussion with with their topics of basketball, baseball, football, college football, um, soccer, those types of things. Lots of things to talk about in the world of sports, lots of opinions to give and analysis to do. And uh, we can't wait to talk about it with you. Um, Please remember to hit that like or follow button on your podcast platform that you're listening to us on. And uh, we will see you next week on One Hour Skullwide.